Welcome to season three of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, Esports 101, Building a Business. Over the past year, we've talked with many esports professionals around the world. Our audience knows how to play games, and now they're eager to level up their skills in the business arena. This season aims to equip every esports entrepreneur with practical and useful knowledge to achieve success. Think of it as a mini course, Esports 101. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, where we talk about how esports can create jobs anywhere in the world. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Now, in season one, we talked about jobs. In season two, we talked about follow the money. We talked about sponsorship. We talked about investment. And now in season three, we're talking more about business basics. How do you do things? We call it esports 101. Today, really, really glad to have a, um, uh, a guest here from Germany, Inka McAtee, who is, among other things, that we're going to be talking about the model project leader at the Amazon University Esports Germany. Welcome, Inka. Hi. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> no, this is going to be good. First, can you just, just since we mentioned the uh, Amazon University, Amazon University Esports Germany, could you describe a little bit what that is and your role there? Because I yes, think that sounds sure. really like an interesting thing. Yeah, so um, the Amazon, so it, it's like the University Esport is a trademark, a global rate trademark from the Spanish company Digitech. And um, in each country, they have different sponsors that creating the main type of the name in the beginning. So for Germany, it's Amazon. And that's why we are calling it Amazon University Esport Germany. And I think Turkey, we had uh, some of the times we had like, Intel University eSport, and so it's it's different from country to, to from country to country. So directly, um, university for sure it's for students. So we organizing tournaments for students only, and um, yeah, I think that that's the main part. We also do the University Masters, so it's like an international championship um, between different countries in the student area, and we also. Um, we also do a lot of stuff uh, beyond the tournaments and we try it to support the students with workshops, to support the students with, with little, like financial support to making their own events with, with knowledge to, to handle their own events and to empower them. Um, yeah. And I think that's how that's, long do, how long do the students attend the program? How long is the program for the, for the students? So, um, they can come, uh, they can, can come in each season. So we have like, uh, in Germany, we are studying like the first half and the second half of a year. It's split it in, in two and they can join at the first or the second season. And then they can like building their own teams with other students from their universities or just going in this leader program I mentioned where they can get the support to get their own live events on, um, yes, yeah, on the market. It's interesting because I, it's really interesting branding there to put the word Amazon at the front of it or Intel or something like, cause it's like all of a sudden you have so much more credibility. Um, it, it, to, it's a two, it's a two sided sword. So yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Depending, depending on who you, who you, uh, who you've gotten there. Just going back a little bit. What got you into esports? What's your, what's your gaming background? So my, 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 my personal gaming background, I'm, 
I think I tried to have a bit more of a professional League of Legends tournament when the uh, League of Legends team when I was 15, but <laughs> it was like in a quick idea and it was gone after a month. Um, then I didn't get a lot in touch with the esport part, but with the video game part because I always loved to play Nintendo games and, um, I started studying this. I made my bachelor in intermedia design, which has the focus point on, on games for me. Um, and then I'm actually still studying the master in this field. And I think like three years ago, uh, over a friend of mine, Gigitech asked for somebody who would be the, the player manager for the creative mayhem, a fortnight, uh, an international fortnight tournament. And they just needed someone who could speak English and German. And I was like, yeah, why not? Because I always agreed with, with people and I was good in, in managing and coordinating people. And so I think, yeah, I, I could do this. And, um, I did this like two times in a year and I founded my own little company two and a half years ago, uh, for mainly for video game and board game development. But half a year after we founded, the company, uh, Gigitech came and said, Hey guys, don't you would like to be part of the university esport world and making the university esports in Germany? And, or if we need new somebody. And I was like, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. And that's, that's the beginning of it. <laughs> one of the things that we hear over and over again is that no one sits down with a plan of this is the, this is the path that they're going to, to, to go through to get to their, their gaming. Um, experience it's like a lot of it is as luck a lot of it is just is is um also one of the things that, that I, I hear you saying there that we also hear a lot is is networking knowing knowing people so that you're not out there you know on your you're by yourself because a lot of times people think oh you know you're you're uh you know you're on a screen you're by yourself sort of thing but it's like no go out there and network um can make all the difference in the world so it, it, it do you have any Hints for networking? Because it sounds like sounds like you, you that's something that you do intentionally. Yes, yes. So um in this case the networking was that we have um one of the persons that I founded the company with also was in the team that was uh, launching League of Legends in Europe. So he were like in direct contact with somebody who is now a main person in the Gigitech company. And this is how we get connected. So I'm a lot on some developer events for sure. So I'm traveling through Germany, um, and going on this, we call it Stammtische, what is more like, yeah, like meet, meetups, uh, meetups, summups, and, um, yeah, meeting all the people. <laughs> we also go a lot of conferences and we go a lot of trade fairs. So like the Gamescom. And I think this, oh, yeah. this build it up the network. I mean, Gamescom is, it's, it's like, isn't that, is it the biggest, uh, in the world? I think actually, yes, because the E3 is, is ended. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, uh, and is that close to where you are? Um, it, not, not directly really close, but it's like four hours to, to drive over. So it's okay. We, we can do this. <laughs> No, that would be, that would be good. No, that's because uh, I can't wait to go to uh, San Diego Comic Con this year because I got tickets and it's just, it's just about the same thing. It's just, well, half that distance, but it's, you know, it's just down the road and worth, uh, worth the visit. 
wanted to talk first a little bit about just how to create an esports tournament. Because one of the things we're talking to a lot of people here in season three about how to do different things. And I just thought, you know, you would probably have some good insights on what it takes to actually create an, uh, a tournament. What kinds of steps? And obviously we're, we're not going to be here all day, but what kinds of steps would you say are important for someone to be thinking about if they're like, Oh, I want to do a tournament? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, uh, not gonna lie, uh, not gonna lie, we had a really unconventional start at our first tournaments because we were like, yeah, uh, GG Tech, when should the start? And they were like two weeks ago and we were like, oh my God. Yeah. That's a bit late. <laughs> so, um, we were, we were pushing it and we didn't have much, much time to, to plan a lot. So I think that's also, that's also something we can, we have as a challenge, but you shouldn't do it like this. <laughs> if you have the time to plan, please do it. Um, do you, right. do you have like a time frame that yeah. you, it's like, how many, how long does it take to create something? So you can do it in two weeks, but you shouldn't. <laughs> I would say, um, we are, have a planning season about one to two months per the year. And we are like, we had these two splits. Uh, we have one more month between these two splits. So in the year, we have, I would say, yeah, up to seven to eight months on season where we really running the tournaments and the acquisition. And we have like three months. We are just planning, coordinating, getting the assets ready, analyzing the market and analyzing our last season and yeah, getting, getting on, on track for it. So the first step for me absolutely was building a team because I was like, we are a video game company. I don't have the experts in it. And, uh, fortunately we have like, um, I, I knew a person, Manuel, he was really old childhood friend of mine. We lost our, out of eyes, out of sight, like 10 years. And then we said, Oh, we both are in the video game industry. How funny. And we literally moved in the same city, in the same street, didn't knowing anything about this. And he was in, uh, he, he was living with someone who, was into esport and who had a little company that doing esport tournaments. So I was like, yeah, I need you and I need your friend. <laughs> and they were like, yes, for sure. Because one point absolutely for us was we had the Amazon name. So it is directly eligible. It, it's like, yeah, prestige. And this was helping a lot. And like literally a week after this, an old friend of me called me and just was ranting about her actual boss and that she's annoyed by with him. And I was like, yeah, do you need to know your job? And so we got our graphic designer, Daniela. And yeah, so I was building the team together and we had, uh, like I already mentioned, Bjorn from, with his huge gaming experience, uh, from, uh, and gaming background from working like on title like League of Legends or Anno Online and stuff like this. And with this uh, six people, nay five, with this five people, we were going to, to handle it. So the next point for us was absolutely analyzing the market. So we knew we need to go on students only. So we had a really clear focus target. And we already had another company that are doing esport tournaments for students only in Germany. So we had like, for sure. Firstly, analyzing them, then finding a gap in the system. Like what can we deliver? What they don't deliver? And 
what could be a benefit for the students to do this also and to participate in both tournaments and both competitions because we thought it was not something like like a competitorship for us it was more like yeah an opportunity to to put more more effort more money and more options into this esport market for the for students in germany and we were for sure looking for yeah what was the timetables of these people yeah like when should the tournament start when should they end what is realistic for them to to handle because if they need to do their exams they won't come and play just a bit of esport for uh, with us um so we need to put this outside that time zones then uh sure financial uh, the budget uh, we have the luck that we already have a sponsor made up by Gigitech. So for us, it was more like we got a, a, a budget and I was like making planning, calculating and stuff like this. Then we needed to build up the website. And what was really, really hard was uh, not to seem like a scam site because we were just like, hey, we are Amazon. We want to give you money. How about this? And all the students were like, uh, no, what is this? That was, that was really hard at the beginning. So Google also just cut off our website because they were like, no, that's spammy. And then we called. But fortunately, we have the word Amazon in our name. So they directly got, got, got this fixed. Um, but this was, that was really, really interesting, interesting thing. Just having this website running. The next part was marketing. And the first season marketing came absolutely too short because we were like too late for this. Getting people interested in somebody and then getting them committed to play an esport tournament over several weeks was something like impossible to do via some, some ads. So we needed to go really hard in cold acquisition for the players. What I don't would say, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it if you don't need it, but at the beginning, we absolutely needed it. So I was like writing to all the esports student clubs we already knew and getting a base of players. So we saw it was really much easier if we had the first known team, the other would join us because they were like, okay, if they, if they are into it, we can be into it too. So having like one or two known players that say yes to you is, is like a good, good starting point. And then for sure, uh, we needed to think about the formats in the tournament we were, we were running because we couldn't really said from the start how many people would participate in the tournaments. So we needed to have something like a flexible system. Uh, so we decided in the first season to split a lot to have more several small tournaments so we could have more time for the acquisition. Um, but actually we are just running one tournament per game. For, for the bigger games, uh, per season and we're having like a four, five week Swiss system and then playoffs for the top eight teams. And this is what, what we're going to actually. So after this also was a huge interesting, uh, <laughs> a huge thing was a prize pool because we needed for sure a hook. Why, why do you play this? Just not, not, not for only for fun. Um, we started with having a prize pool in a really, I would say in the higher section, like, you could win real money, like I think 5,000 euros for the best League of Legends teams and stuff like this. Um, Digitech recommended us this because they wanted us to get all the, the big teams directly. But yeah, then we, we, we switched from this, but I think we, we can talk a little bit more detail about it later. <laughs> no, that's really and interesting. Then, 
Yeah. Uh, no, go on. Continue there. No, because I, I do want to talk about prices. Yeah. So um, we started with this huge price pool, and um, but we felt like this wasn't what we were going through. That what we didn't want to go through because our goal was to have as much students as possible to be to be engaged. Yeah, with with this tournament and just giving the first three teams that always be the best three teams because we we don't have this big player pool that they are spreading like the best people out of it. Um, we started to go away from giving prizes to the first to the third place. So we actually give prizes from the first to the thirty place. So we just clipped it really, really outside. So the biggest win, actually, the biggest prize pool is the first place get 150 bucks in Amazon gift cards. And that's that's the biggest part. And then it's going down, 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 really, really small steps. So as much people as possible can have this nice feeling of winning something, of of having this experience of getting rewards for, for having fun. I think that's an interesting strategy that it's like to try out to, instead of, because I think so many people, I know I would go into thinking, I'm going to big, big a prize pool as I can, because that's going to make the most noise and people are going to, more people are going to be um, interested in participating because of the potential reward. When actually, you might end up with more people, and you might end up with a more loyal um, um, fan base if you give more prizes to more people, so that they're going to come back next year, next time, and and so on, out there. So what else? Uh, so what what other things did, did I catch you short on, on the things for um, setting up a, a tournament? Um. So yeah, I think I think that was like the the steps we go through, and then we just. Let it run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about one of the things I want to talk about? You were, I think you were really, really lucky not having to go find a sponsor. I yes. mean, that's, that's something that, that we rarely hear people, people talking about. But, uh, can you talk a little bit? Oops. Could you talk a little bit more about how people can get sponsorship? How you would recommend other people and more how you do it, but also who should you approach? Who do you want as a sponsor? Maybe who do you, mm -hmm. who would you rather not have? As a sponsor, yeah. So I can I can tell so a bit of the story. So um, University Esports started in I think the the main part started in the UK with the Newell. If you already hear of it, um, that's like a really 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 good community. They they have fantastic participation in their tournaments and they are really wholesome and it was it is fantastic to work with them. And I think the Spain. Uh, esports league for for the students also were really big, but they were more on the competitor side. And uh, Josh, the founder of the Newell, just matched with the Tech and they got came together and were building this idea of a global student market for esports. I think like seven or eight years ago, and so they started doing this and they get. All the student, the, the student esport leagues, I would say, from each country that already existed and try to get them together because so they could, they were able to approach Amazon and big sponsors because they are like selling you something really great. Um, but 
it was, I think it was really hard for them because first they needed the product ready before you can go to a sponsor. And this is, I think this is a problem because you first need to did already something before you can say, Hey, please give me money. Um, one thing to, to get along with this is for sure not planning this big for your first tournament. I think you should start in a small range, in a small range. It, it's everything you can do and then getting up and up and up. Yes. Um, I would say networking. Yeah. Just like you told me, uh, networking is, is for sure a big part. So, um, one of my coworker, Manuel, he really is a lot of into event making events. He makes the game dev week, what is like a one week game jam in a university where all of, uh, people from, from rural Germany are going there to, to make games together. What's fantastic. And he's, a lot of a lot into sponsor acquisition and for him it's a lot about showing that this is a working thing because in the start he don't had budget but he made it work because yeah he was into it and then he could start after the first two events say hey yeah it's a market something that can be aware and the students are having a lot of fun here and they're coming like cool products it's really really support the industry of the game developer because people are like founding out of this event companies yeah and with this as a hook he were able to get sponsors for his event yeah you never know it's it's just like you're describing it's the chicken and the egg sort of thing it's like you, yeah you know you you need money but you're not going to get money unless you you uh can demonstrate what why it is that that you you need it what do you think about uh, esports in general? Esports, wh where are things headed in the future? Um, it's like it, from from your experience uh, of what, what you've been, especially your your vast experience on the university side, which I think is interesting because when you talk about the kinds of things that you're you're when you're dealing with university students, they are the future. I mean that that's like they're the ones that are going to be out there creating the future for uh, with it, more than any other group. Any any thoughts on trends of where esports is going to be going in the near and long term future? Mm -hmm. So I can just talk for Germany because this is the scene I'm really deep into. Um, but I see a really huge trend going in the in the health and in the health area. So uh, our competitor has a huge sponsor who is like, yeah, like a healthcare company, and um, we also in Germany there were founded the esports player foundation. That is like also a support station for mental and, and body health for esport players that is giving like direct support. And you can have a mentor who helps you to get through this esport experience. And I think this is a huge trend. So like talking to the people that are always be like, Oh, video games are bad and telling them, yeah, then let, let, let find us a way together to have it not like a bad idea to play video games. So. If you have other hobbies, nobody say reading is bad because you're just sitting. So it's about what are you doing in the rest of your life? And I think this, this is a trend I absolutely see where you can hook for sponsors, actually. Yes. Well, I, I just saw the other day a, a study, um, at, at a Stanford that was talking about how they pretty much disproved that there's a correlation between violence. Gun, actual gun violence in the United States 
and video game consumption. Because everyone here is just like, oh yeah, the kids are watching these violent video games and that's why they're, you know, that violence translates into society. And it's like, no, that's, you know, they couldn't find any, any, any uh, scientific uh, correlation there. But are there other trends that you see coming up? So it's just, just to this topic, what I think is really, really interesting. Uh, we have an, uh, another game studio over here, I think like, um, the street down and they are developing. It's, it's a big studio, but they're developing the games for the prisoners in the U, in America because they're having these tablets and it lowers and, and it, it, it really, really put the, the damage down and the mental health problems down and, I think it's it's a good good example that video games have have also a good impact. Uh, like have more of a good impact. I mean, not also <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It, look, <clears throat> have you seen any? Um, I'm always looking for uh, examples in in refugee in the re world of refugees, and because um, I just think there's such an opportunity, and people are probably already doing this. But to have esports, to have games be part of uh, help people, kids who are in refugee camps. Uh, around the world to cope with uh, all kinds of things. So yeah, I think there's all kinds of opportunities that are out there. <clears throat> hey, I wanted to also move on here to um, to talk about art direction because one of the things that I was really really interested in in having a chance to talk to you because you you have a background in art direction and like we were talking a little bit before, it's like art direction in video games is amazing. And it's also most often taken for granted. It's like you just expect the game, especially newer games, you expect it to, to look amazing. And a lot of times you just don't always think that, hey, someone made that happen. It's like it, it was not by accident. So could you talk a little bit about art direction in, in a video game, what it actually is, and what do you do? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, mainly I see art direction like something like a compositing job between different artists or different people. So my my main the, the thing I need to do is to get different artists on a level with their style and with their with their ideas that they work together. So what I often see with indie titles is that they're paying free people for free types of assets for their game and like just looks like puzzled from from some weird weird place and i'm the person that that fixes this issue <laughs> i would say that's the easiest way to describe and i'm also the one that pushing the artists to their best i would say so like giving feedback showing them like okay that's a good approach could you show me it in this way because they just didn't think about it and so we can develop together a better product um so as i was studying the whole thing i for for me, it was really important as a pro product uh, as a project lead to have a few of all the positions I'm managing. So I wear a UI designer, I wear a graphic designer, I did concept art, I did I did programming, I did all the stuff, so I could understand my people. And I think this is also a really really important point on it because often people think an art director should be the one who could draw the best, but to be honest, an art director should be the one who can handle the real, real thing that, that need to be done, um, this coordinating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really good point because I think that, that that's so true in so many areas. It's like, you know, to be, 
to be an esports to own an esports team? Do I have to be a have been a really good player? No, I just have to be a good organizer for for the team. It's like that. That's much more important. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a good point. Could you talk a little bit about the the um, the connection between art in a movie and the story, uh, art in a game, and and uh, the story that's being told in the game? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make how do you uh, make that connection? How's that connection made? Mm-hmm. So um, as I come from this, I would say study background, uh, we did a lot of analyzing of of video games and and of of also of classic art. Yeah? And I always try to to use this on the actual product. So we are working on a prototype which is inspired by a German painter. And we are now trying to, to get like the essence of what he was saying and not to copy what he did. And I think this, this type of transition is a really, really interesting approach to getting a story inside something. If this is what you asked for or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, so much, so much of the time, a really good, a really good game or a game that you, you think of as really great is one of the reasons it's great is because the, the, the art, the visual matches the, the the story in ways that you you may not have realized going in i just I, i'm always just i think one of the things that i have never seen a really good documentary on how video games are made because i know how how movies how tv is made i mean that that's you know conceptually pretty simple but how you actually create the video game and make it all work together i think is something that is a story that that um Anyway, I haven't, I haven't found it out there and it's just, it's so uh, complicated, but at the same time, it's like, I'm always out there, you know, we're playing a game thinking, wow, I'm, you know, Kratos is like jumping and moving around. You know, it's like, I'm able to do all these things that that's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of magic there, putting it out there. But so what kinds of, um, could you describe in a little bit more detail? Cause you, you, you mentioned some of them. But the different kinds of art jobs, art-related jobs that are out there in uh, game development, and maybe so, yeah. a little bit about what what how people could could mm-hmm. grow into those roles. Because oh, maybe there maybe yeah. there's a, maybe there's a university degree on video game art direction. But, uh, but how do people get into doing that? What are they? In, how do people get into that? So what I studied was something like called intermedia design. What is to be honest. Like do whatever you want. Uh, hopefully, it it needs to move. So I learned to to cut videos. I learned to make color grading. I I learned really much of of stuff that I don't use in video games in the first place. And then in the end of your study, you you start to realize everything can be used or applied to video games that is also in the other art directions. So what we have for sure are UI and UX designer. Um, you always know this from, I think, web design or stuff like this. It's, it's more common in this area, but it's so important to have somebody who understands UX exp- as a user experience for your video game. Because I, I once I played a video game and like the button to, to close a tab was always on another side. And I was like, I, I was like freaking out. Why the hell is this happen? And why are, are these people didn't, didn't know that this is an issue? And I think this, this is one of the jobs for sure, having UI and UX. Um, we have 
yeah, 2D designer that could be also a concept artist or making the assets. It also depends on what is the game looking. Um, they also can do texturings for 3D models. Um, then for sure, we have often 3D modeler who are making mostly of this, of the world pipeline. So in the animation industry, you are really, really focused on just one part, like just modeling, just rigging, just animating. And in the game industry, I have the feeling because we have so much indie studios that are so, so small and so compromised, we need to, to have much more, or what do you say, much more skills combined in one person. Um, yeah. So my 3D artist actually goes through the world step and he's also making uh, look development like fitting the um, like the fitting of the style of the light inside the engine with his assets and stuff like this so i think there's a lot of thing so we also i also knew some people that are just doing light like setting light bulbs in in video game engines and this is also a, a job or trying to to get a material looking in an exactly way and shape but also procedural stuff is growing a lot. So we have a lot of programming meets art in the last decades. That is really, really interesting. I think one of the most interesting things in playing a game is when uh, <clears throat> when shadows appear. It's it's just like it's so you know unexpectedly you know they they'll show up where they're supposed to be you know based on on the physics of of what's going on. And to me, that's just uh, really fascinating. It just seems like a really well thought out program that you know you're, they're able uh able to show that out there so would how much of what you're describing in the art world in the art direction side of video games how much of it can be done by ai in the future is there a feeling and i'm, I'm the reason i'm bringing this up is like is, is are, are we looking at a future where the majority of it is going to be generated by by ai and just supervised by by us humans or, mm -hmm. or is, is that kind of a fantasy that, that we're, we're not going to live that long? So to, to be honest, I never, I, I don't can look in the future. Yeah. So I, I don't say it won't be like this or stuff like this. But what I actually with the actual, I would say level we have of AI, it makes the processing of the, of the concept really, really fast because you don't need to draw a picture, then look if it's, if it, it is right and then start again, draw the next picture. And this is what makes it really fast for us, actually. So we are using this process already in our company because we just like using this AI generated pictures and saying, yeah, I like, but you know, the slide isn't fitting. Then we can just type something else and it's, it's easier to get a concept idea. And then we give it to the concept artist and he makes something like a final piece from what we can work on. Um, for sure, the AI don't have the understanding of exactly what we want at this point because it's like it uses just what already outside. Yeah. But I think it will make the process processing of everything much, much faster. So this is what, what I see is possible with AI, but I don't see that it will cut off the nice jobs i think sure something like the people that are in animations cleaning lines and stuff like this i think these are this for sure these are jobs that will, will go away but hopefully these are the people they that much more would like to do be re, re, 
creative but just couldn't and now they could and this is what i personally see so it empowers people in the end for me yeah 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 because that's one of the things that that you find is that just in using chat gpt as an example it's like the more time the more descriptive you are on what you're asking it the better result it's going to to come out with it's not like you can put in something really simple and let it do all the work it needs more direction than that and so there's a certain amount of you know you're not you're not getting something for nothing it's like to get the good result have you ever have you ever worked with the ai um uh, photo generator the image generator on discord mm, mid journey yeah it? yeah is that it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, that was that was just amazing. Some what some people were were were, were creating it there. I mean, it just made everything else look really really weak. But I also had the impression that he really knew how to ask it the right question to I mean to put in the right input. So it yeah. was really really amazing. I want to talk a little bit about diversity mm-hmm. because we don't talk about we don't talk about that enough uh, necessarily. It's one of those things that needs needs to be brought up. Why is diversity important in video games and esports? For sure, it's a medium. <laughs> That's my, my always, always the answer. So if you don't see the possibilities you have, um, you can't achieve and you can't go for it. So what I was really, really understanding late, late in my life, I would say, I'm young, but you know, uh, was that I always had strong, strong female, female idols and, and people in my life that just showed me the way without that I even thinking about if I could do this. So my first, animation tutor and my first animation professor they were females and i didn't think about that as an as something that wouldn't wouldn't be a possibility for me um so i think i'm already in this generation where i have a lot of role models in this area to aim for it and it's for sure it's not just about gender but um yeah i think it's really important to to just to show that it's possible so this is also something i really like to to uh, be in the esport industry i would say I, i'm also a bit of a little bit unicorn because there are not so many leading positions that are women actually and i already had the feeling that it empowers the students also to see this because i always had the issue that i once i had the case that a student just said he when he was talking to a co-worker because he just couldn't imagine inca was a man because why should this be a man? And I think this this was also a tweak for that. But I see more and more of the leaders are getting female, and I think that's that's a good sign. So in Germany, I, I I'm a good way for the for the gender diversity in esports, and I hope this will go on on more sides. So we also had like uh, we made a project where we have online classes for esports in the area of broadcasting and one for coaching. And we made this for the Saudi Arabian Esport Federation. And we also had like, um, we needed to, so I, I was like, yeah, we will do this, but we, I need a prioritizing female participators. And this is what we did. And so we, the best of our students were females. And I really, really loved this project for having the opportunity to empower this. How was it received? Hmm? How was it received? You said it was by, by the Saudi, um, so we did this for them. So we, they were making an esport academy, um, the SAE, pro- SAE project and GGTech needed people that making the online classes. 
And so I was the coordinator of the classes. I were in touch with the students. I took care of their homework, but I also wrote, wrote the schedules and casting the teachers and stuff like this. I think one of the things, and I hear you describing it, <clears throat> describing it there is that it's almost better to be, to be demonstrating it than to teaching it. I mean, if there's, if they're working with you as an, as someone who's, who's running the program, that is, it, it works a whole lot better than some guy up there saying women should be running the program. I mean, it just, it's like, no, just, you know, you, you demonstrate by example, there is, is, is always the, the best way. Do you think, do you think things are changing? Do you think things in, in, um, in Germany and in the world as you see it are changing as far as art things becoming more diverse? Uh, I, I think absolutely it, for sure it, it happens. Um, but what I also see is that <clears throat> before I become like the CEO of this company, I didn't have so much of a view on this topic. So really having this interest in this topic is starting with it as I felt how it is like getting in a room with my, with my two male people and already they think like they are the leader of this. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I, I think I, I forced back then. I, I was angry when I had the first CEO contract from, from my lawyer and it was like the wrong name. And I was like, ah. and this happened again and again. But yeah, if I just would say this is not okay, this wouldn't help. So just going outside and demonstrating it better, uh, demonstrating the other side. Yeah. Now, it's always interesting to hear people's, hear people's stories on that because uh, it also depends, I think, on, on culture, what, what's, what's, what's possible in one culture may not be possible <clears throat> in another culture. We were talking with, um, with, um, um, women in games. We we're talking with two people that were, were, were associated with that organization. The one, for, one, um, Denise, um, from, uh, uh, Philippines, who was originally from the Philippines and then any only had done in Nigeria. And, and Denise was talking about the way things were done in Philippines. And, and Yolo was like, wow, I wish we could do the kinds of things that you could, that you could do there. And, you know, and, and Denise was thinking that they needed to do more than what they were doing. So it's all relative also. Yeah. But I think one of the things that, and why I always like to bring it up is I think it's important that people talk about it because, uh, yeah. if, if they don't, how important is it? to have diverse characters in games? So personally, for me, absolutely. <laughs> so if we take something like we had our board game. So we have this board game, it's called Duelists, and we have three characters in it. And we really was aiming for not having a stereotype character in this game. And we often get the feedback that for sure parents really like this because they have the feeling if they buy this for their children, their children don't have something like a wrong expectation of, of, of idealization of, of bodies and stuff like this. So we have a female character that is, is really rough and she's really cool. Yeah? And I think this is also a point to make things cool and make things lovable, no matter in which area you would, you would put it or stuff like this and connecting people to other thoughts like the stereotype they already know. So I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> socially and for me, it's absolutely important. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good for, it, it, it's good all the way around because it, you, the other thing is, and, and it always, to me, it always goes back to the movies. I mean, the, the kinds of experiences that people can see in the movies 
have incredible impact that people don't understand. You know, from a society, some people can see themselves up on the screen in some positive way that they haven't been able to see in the past. That's huge. That's huge out there. And, and, and some people understand the power of that and some people, people don't. But I think, do you think, um, are there any particular video games, any, any really big video games out there that, um, that, um, you think of as doing a good job of having a diverse, um, an impact on diversity? And no, no, I need to think. So yeah, that's good. That's, that's an even better question then. <laughs> this was done my list. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think there, there are a lot. So, but, but to be honest, I only know the indie title really well. So I'm not the triple A gamer that that's an issue for me. And I think indie titles mainly do a really, really good job on this because they are not like connected to to people that said yeah but we did this already like always because we have a big franchise and we can't we can't work against this franchise so the indies are free uh, and i feel this in the diversity of the characters so oh gosh you're giving examples i i'm not no, no i think it's it, <laughs> no if the if there's if there's an uh even an indie title if you if there's one that you think of hey these, these people are doing these game developers did are approaching diversity or talking about diversity the, the right way, the best way and making the biggest impact. Is there anyone that comes to mind that's doing that? So I think they're, they're really unknown. So it's not the biggest impact, but I really, what I really liked was uh, Ultimate Adam. So it's like a sequel of the ancient, um, ancient caves of magic. I think Adam is something like this. And it's a really, really old title. So the first version was just like in ASCII. Yeah. <laughs> and they they made a re yeah, they they made a a reskin and a new game out of it. I think like two years or three years ago, and they just had this approach to go with you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and they tried with not making too much jokes, but making it like like really open. They had like six genders generally. Yeah, they were like yeah, you can be bipolar, you can be you can be neutral. We we don't care. You you ch just choose for it. Um. And also was the character that, that putting it together and else. And I think this was really interesting because it was also something where I get in touch with, uh, the extreme hate they got from this because they, they decided you can do this. And other people were like, no, we don't like that you can do this. And I think this is, this is really an issue and fighting against this and not going back to, to something else. I think this is really, really nice. So what I also really liked was uh, with Cyberpunk that they were like, yeah, your genital doesn't impact your gender. It was, yes, thank you guys. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, it, 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 I always think it's uh, in, the, in the really big titles, the risk they're taking on to, to make even the smallest, what well, we, we think it was the most obvious, but smallest little impact there. Uh, it's like, oh, but, you know, the, because of the size of the fan base, and and um and, and the investment of what they've created in in getting as far as they have, I'm always really really amazed at some of the things that they uh, they are able to do. It's just like uh to me, I mean, over time, you know, just the play you could pick to play as uh, on so many of the big titles, you could pick to play as a man or a woman as the title as the character. So you're playing one character or the other. Where in the olden days, you had no choice. You're playing the guy, 
it's just like you know there's yeah so it, it, to me those are uh little things uh uh in progress hey i kind of want to wrap up here because i don't want to take too much of your time what's next for you what are you doing now what, what do you see doing in the next few years <laughs> yeah so for sure we are want to to let also run the university esports along but we also want to to focus on getting some video games finished not gonna lie and i also want to to finish my masters so i just need to write the master thesis and just give it up but i'm i'm always pushing it behind because work um yeah we are actually we are planning um one release in the beginning of next year for our little cute title uh once upon a tile uh what is a puzzler a dungeon puzzler and we are aiming for some fundings uh, with another t- prototype we are working on. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can get and can do whatever we love and uh, being happy. <laughs> that's that's what I'm aiming for. So I always feel like when I founded the studio, I was like, my goal is to give my friends and people I like opportunity to work in an environment they don't feel bad or toxic or with and can do whatever they want. And this is like my personal goal. So I'm, to be honest, I'm not, not much of this, of this esport or this gaming fangirl that is like so deep inside this stuff. Uh, I'm more like, this is what, what I feel good because the people that are working here are, are my people. And I just, wanted to to spread more love and that's <laughs> that's what i what i'm doing what i like hearing you say there's a the, these people are my people it's like the, these are people that you 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 like to be work, working with I and mean, that's one of the great things i always think about you know anything that you're doing you know that you can do on your own it's like if you surround you, i always tell people if you're surrounded by bozos it's on you i mean if you're if, if it's your program it's like and you don't like the people that are around you it's like it's on you 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 so the the opposite is that you can you can uh, you you put other people around that are are the kind of people that you want to spend your time with. So makes a big difference. Hey, thanks again for for the conversation here. I I always fascinated about um the artwork side of things and also uh we could talk a whole lot more about uh, about money. Because one of the things I think is really fascinating is like, how do you fund an, a, a game program? And it, but that's a topic for, for, for another day there. So thanks for talking about, you know, a little bit about events, a little bit about art direction, a little bit, bit about diversity. So where can people learn more about what you're doing? So what I absolutely recommend is always participating in a game jam. So this is my absolute favorite thing to do and I love it. So. You don't need to, to be able to do a lot. So I always say game designer, everybody can be a game designer in a game gen <laughs> and storyteller and text writer, but getting in touch with the people or just finding someone who can do what you would like to be able to do and asking this person, Hey, how did you achieve this? Or could you recommend me some source? And I think getting in touch with other people that are, that are also amazed about the same topics like you is always the best step. And if you want to to ask me something, you also can get in touch with me. So yeah, LinkedIn, you can do everything. <laughs> just great. just add me and ask me whatever you need. <laughs> okay, no, that's great. No, because one of the things we want to do is we we want to make connections between people because you never know. Yes. Uh, and the other thing is that's the other great thing about podcasts is getting to 
chance to talk to people and get to know them a little bit more and know exactly wh- wh- where it is that they're they're coming from on what it is that they're doing. So thanks again. Thanks to the audience here. This is the Gamers Change Lives podcast. We'll, we'll pause for that. <laughs> and uh, play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks, Inka. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded. And so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at GamersChangeLivesPodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening.